Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast and on this podcast I'm talking to Natalie. Now I met Natalie six months ago on a lighthouse tour and Natalie works for Travis Perkins. She looks after the mental health and well-being with the people that work for the business uh, as well as in branch and office based. Natalie talks quite openly and honestly about her journey with mental health and what she has done to get herself to where she is today. She talks about a role within the business and how Travis Perkins help her support the staff that work for them and ultimately allow her to do a job that she absolutely loves. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It is a little bit of a trigger warning because we do talk about suicide and I hope you enjoy it. And Let me know what you think in the comments below. Other than that, thank you very much. Bless you. Let's try again. Try to hold that in then. (laughs) Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the NYH podcast. And as you can see, we're out on location today. We're up in the Travis Perkins in Preston with my friend Natalie. So I met Natalie back in June, was it, I think? Around that time, yep. Um, When I was out on a tour with the Lighthouse Club up in Edinburgh. Edinburgh it was. Mm, Yeah. And uh, we got speaking and Natalie told me about the role that she plays within Travis Perkins and how she looks after the best she can, the staff that work there. But Natalie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's all right. Anytime. <laughs> but um, we'll go into a role that you do now, but you, this hasn't always been your role, has it, within no. the business? No. Um, so I've been with Travis Perkins for nearly 19 years now. Um, I started on the sales counter and then... Um, worked my way up to be branch manager so prior to doing this role I was actually managing a small branch in Keswick in the Lake District. Nice surroundings. Beautiful. Um, We didn't even have gates on our yard it was so kind of in such a lovely location so when I go into big cities and say we don't have gates they were like what? Canon? (laughs) You know I can't understand that. How does everything not get nicked? Um, But yeah it was a really beautiful branch. Yeah, really Stunning nice. Stunning part of the world. I guess it's quite um, specialist, the work that the guys do up around there as well. It's not as if they're just going to slap at any old house up there. It's got to be yeah. a certain Yeah, material. it was, to be fair, we didn't really have in Keswick many new houses being built. It was more extensions and things like that because, you know, as you say, in that part of the world, you know, National Trust, you can't just put a housing estate up in the middle of... Um, somewhere like yeah. like that so yeah it was quite it was quite niche what the customers did there do you still speak to a lot of people that you used to deal with um when i see them um i did work in workington branch um for most of my tp career um so when i go into there because it's only 10 minutes away from where i live um you know i end up jumping on the counter still yeah. and serving people and you know, everybody wants to have a crack with me. You know, I've come in here today and how many times have I apologised saying, sorry, I've just got talking to people. <laughs> um, so I suppose it's part of the job, but um, I do like talking as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, still keep in touch with a lot of people. So y- your job role changed. How long ago did it change? Um, it's coming up to nearly 18 months now. Um, huge different kind of career path that I I never imagined to be honest um so yeah it was just I was given the opportunity on a six month 
secondment to be a well-being ambassador for the for the full company, which is twenty thousand um, employees. So a lot of people. Um, small feet, though. Yeah, um, and kind of when I got offered it, I was a bit, what me? No, mm. and I was because I I'm such an anxious person. Um, I almost kind of ruled it out immediately, and it took my old regional director to just kind of sit me down and go. No, you, we're having this conversation because you are doing it. You're just too scared to do it. And I went, yeah, I think so. But um, it's changed my life totally, to be honest. So it's it's just been it's been a brilliant experience. That's good then. So it took you a while to get going. Once you found your feet in the role, you realised this was the role for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's almost um, as if I got my opportunity to write my dream job description and then you know, a company then went, well, there you go, you've got it. So it's it's been very surreal, to be honest, as well, but hard. Yeah. You know, it is a hard role, as, as you can imagine. Yeah. Do you look back and think that, I don't know, maybe five years ago, you would have been able to do this within the business? No, no absolutely not. Um, I suppose it would be best to give a bit of context as to why I've kind of got into this role, really. So... Um, I kind of have always really struggled with my mental health and um, just before starting TP, um, so I'm sure my age now in my um, early 20s, um, I actually had a failed suicide attempt um, and at the time I just kind of put it down to circumstances, you know, I was going through a really bad relationship, um, I'd never had a close relationship with my dad. Um, think, you know, just things like that. And I just thought it was circumstantial. I didn't think it would be something I would carry with me for the rest of my life. I just, I didn't see that coming. Um, and I never talked about it at work right. um, because I thought you couldn't. Yeah. Um, nobody, nobody actually said, no, you don't, you don't talk about this kind of thing. It just didn't seem the done thing to do. Um you know, we are a very male-dominated industry, and if anything, I changed myself to suit that industry. Um, I was a I was a female working in branch. I think there was only a couple of us, um, and I almost become male, if yeah. that makes yeah, sense. Um, yeah. I played this part of almost a macho person, and I didn't like to be feminine or anything like that. You know, I used to say for it, when I look back now, it's it's it makes me cringe, but, you know, if somebody said something, I'd say, oh, God, I've got more balls than him, and things <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. but I almost kind of changed to fit into the box I thought I should be in. Um, and then I was an assistant manager, um, you know, worked my way up, and I kind of fell into the construction trade by default because when I said to people where I work they thought I said Dorothy Perkins not <laughs> not Travis Perkins um so I did kind of fall into it but once I got into the role I kind of wanted to progress in it um you know I used to get customers coming in saying oh I'll just can I just wait for one of the lads you know um yeah, yeah. so it almost made me fight um and then I went I got to be assistant manager um and then I got pregnant, so I took some time off on maternity leave, ended up with postnatal depression. Mm. And I think, again, that was just the theme because of, you know, I do just get low mood. Um, so I ended up with that and then came back to work but didn't say anything, <laughs> didn't say I was suffering from postnatal depression and that I was, you know, on medication for it because you don't talk about it. Um, and then I eventually got the dream 
you know, I got my own branch and I was like, oh my God, you know, I've, I've made it. This is what I want it to be. Um, and it was about maybe eight months into the role um, and I was speaking to other managers. We were such like a close-knit um, group. And I would say, God, is this is this what it's like to be a branch manager? And it was almost like pat on the back, welcome to management. And I thought, oh my God, I was working, you know, really long hours, never got a lunch break. Um I could feel myself getting really stressed and but even though I'd been through what I'd been through, I didn't realise yeah. it was a trigger and a downward yeah, yeah. spiral. Um and then I ended up um, one day the my yard supervisor came in and said, Oh, we've got a bit of a problem now and I went, What's up? And he went, Crane's knackered and I was like, Oh and it was if it was like the final straw. Um I just thought I'm going to have to ring all these customers. I can't, and I ended up having a breakdown mm. um, in branch. I think it took me about two hours just to, to get into a position where I could drive home. Um, and as soon as I drove home, all I thought all the way home was, I'm out, I've lost my job. Who on earth is going to want me to be a branch manager when I feel like I felt I had failed? That was the best way I can describe it. Um but the absolute opposite happened. Um, I spoke to my regional director and he was like, why didn't you say? And I went, I didn't I didn't think I could. I, I didn't want you to think that I was weak, that, um, you know, every, everything that we, we put towards mental health, you know, the weakness, the stigma, I, I just didn't want them to think that of me. Um, so it was kind of a really tough time. Um, but when I went back into work, because I had to take about a week off just to kind of, you know, come back really um and I told the I was really honest with all the guys that I worked with and I said look I'm just I'm really struggling um I'm gonna be here but just take me for what I am that day when I come in um because I just didn't know how I was gonna be feeling um and then when I did we had a manager's meeting so it's where we all kind of meet up um you know like have a little mini meeting we do it like once a quarter um and we were asked to talk about our year. Um, and I knew everybody was going to talk about how they'd smashed the sales figures, you know, brilliant audits, things like that. And I thought, I'm going to tell them how shit my year's been. Um, I'm just going to be really honest. Um, and it was really hard, um, but, I, but I did that. And then later that night, um, I can remember my phone just started going off. Um, and it was all the branch managers, um, well, I say most of the branch managers in that room, and they said, you know, Eva, thank you for being really honest. I didn't realise you felt that way, even though I tried to reach out in my own, you know, kind of way. Um, but a lot of them said they'd felt the same too. And I thought, this, it's not, this isn't right. We can't not bring our whole selves to work. Um, so I just started doing what I could in Cumbria, um, talking at every manager's meeting. You know, my boss was really supportive. He went, I'll give you the slot, just say what you want to say, as long as we're kind of keeping it alive and mm. talking about mental health. Um, and then the safety director for the full, Travis Perkins, um, had heard about what I was doing and said, can I come up for a chat? And I thought, oh my God, this is really scary. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Um, and he said about, you know, what's your plans? And I said, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm buzzing with ideas of what we could do to support colleagues. And he was just kind of just hold that thought. Um, and then a couple of months later, 
he offered me this job. It was six months, you know, it was a trial. Um, if it didn't work, you can just go back to branch and thanks for everything. But then um, last Christmas, it was this time last year, um, the COO of um, Travis Perkins came up and gave me a hug and was like, thank you for everything you've done. I was like, oh no, thank you for the opportunity. And he went, yeah, but we want you to do this full time. And I was like, wow. <laughs> um, so it's kind of gone from there, um, bigger and better. And it's just been an amazing experience. So it sounds like you turned a bad situation into a good situation. And yeah. it's great to hear that the likes of TP have allowed you to do that and grow within your role. Yeah. And you can go out and have these conversations with the people in the branch because it's, it has a massive impact. You've only got to look about when you started being open and honest, all the messages you received and all the people contacting you saying, I know exactly how you feel. And that's, and that's it. I think people are scared to talk about it. I was certainly mm. scared to talk about it. But once you do start talking about it, you soon come to realise that you're not alone in what you're going through. And yeah. there is people out there that are doing the similar job to you and they are going through the same experience as you. Yeah. And I think some people can handle it a little bit better than others. And the thing to remember, though, is we're all different. Not one shoe fits all. Yeah. And this is it. And we can... Um, turn around and use each other as a support network as you do um, and say you know what I'm struggling with this and I'm not happy with that and it sounds like you've got a good core values within the business that you can do that yeah definitely Um, I always kind of explain it to people that Travis Perkins have almost took what I thought was my biggest weakness and turned it into my superpower that's kind of the best way I can describe it because you know if I could if I could look back and sat in that car next to myself, driving home, and just went, you are going to be okay. Because I honestly, it was one of the lowest points that I've that I've been in, um, because I just genuinely didn't think company would want me after that. Um, but it's it's been brilliant. And, you know, you're talking about people sharing stories, and I think that's where the biggest power lies um, with mental health. Um, mm. You know... It doesn't have to be the same because, if, you know, like you say, everybody's story is different. But it's just thinking, oh, I thought it was only me that thought things like that. And the amount of people that I've spoken to and went, oh, really? So you, you suffer from anxiety, but you stand in front of 100 people. And I'm like, you want to see me five minutes before <laughs> I go on there, you know? Um, yeah. I'm popping my anxiety tablet. <laughs> um, you know, I'm doing all the breathing. Um but I always kind of tell myself in in the back of my head, it's for the greater good. Because if there's just one person out of a hundred that would then further pick up a phone to a support line, you know, a counsellor and get that support, then it's been absolutely worth however anxious I feel. So there's there's definitely the power with, with storytelling when it comes to things like this, because it's not one size fits all. Mm, definitely. So I guess describe a, a pretty standard day for you now then. Oh, well, every day is different, to be honest. But um, a lot of the work that I've done this year is go and speak to branch managers in the, in the, those meetings yeah. that I was at. Um, the first six months of the job, it was kind of go out into the business, speak to as many people as possible, you know, get feedback. What are we doing well? What are we not doing well? Because obviously what we're not doing well, we can improve on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and a lot of, you know, we're an operationally focused business. Um, and now we're talking about 
feelings and people and emotions and you know a lot of branch managers like what whoa I like how I don't I'm not trained in that I have no idea how to start a well-being conversation and I thought right that's that's the build that's the that's the important thing this year so I kind of created a bit of a I can't say training pack because I'm in no way a facilitator or a trainer, but I just created this pack that was just really kind of, you know, how to spot a sign if somebody might be struggling, um, how to start a conversation, um, you know, because it's really scary, but it's really courageous, I think, to to open that first conversation. Um, Just really simple tips so that they could go away and think, oh, right, I could maybe do that if somebody came. So through most of this year, I've spoke to, God, I don't know, you know a a couple of thousand people um with this pack just so that they've got the basic tools to go out there and support and just you know if they spot those signs because they work with their teams all day every day but you know if somebody's working hybrid and they've got the camera off then maybe not a thought that's because they're really struggling at home so even just saying and you know we had some feedback the other week um Somebody had done exactly that, so they'd seen this guy was off camera all the time and just thought, right, well, I will reach out, actually. And, yeah, he was really struggling, but he didn't know how to deal with it, and that manager was like, I've started that conversation. So it's kind of once you've done it once, you just feel more confident to do it. So we're really just trying to change that culture where it's it's okay to talk about it. It's amazing to hear that, and... I think you're right. People can be a bit scared by mental health because they don't know how to handle it. And that's absolutely fine. Mm. And I often say to people that you've got to remember that it's, even if you've had the mental health first aid training, yeah. think of it as a physical first aid. If one of the yard people fell over, broke the leg, you're not going to fix the broken leg, are you? No. You're just going to help them till the professionals get there. Yeah. And a lot of that time is, a lot of the time what I do is I just listen. More than anything, I just listen. I don't say a lot. I just sit and listen. I might be thinking in my own head that I think you're making a mistake there, but I'll never tell them that. No. It's it's all about just listening to what they have to say and offloading. And it can be the simplest thing because people think they have to give them an answer and they yeah. don't. And by the sounds of it, these little packs that you put together now for them, um, people are realising that and they're, they're, they're using it mm. and, and it's moving forward in the business and it's making a difference yeah. to not only them but the, the whole company because it's going to be a nicer environment to work. Yeah. And people, because I think a lot as, as well, I'm not so much sure about branch stuff, but on site, definitely that people buy into people yeah. and if... If you might get a job offer down the road for, I don't know, a pound an hour more, but if you know that you could stay working in this in the company and you get looked after more than just the monetary side of things, yeah. I think that goes a long way with people nowadays. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the thing with money is you can get a wage increase, but then you live to that wage and then you yeah. suddenly want the next. So it's what other things are there to support. And, and for me, it's really important to have that culture where you can you can be yourself you can have bad days and that that's okay yeah. um so yeah i th- you know i definitely agree and you know a lot of managers that i speak to we fixers we mm. are fixers of problems um and i kind of say the total opposite with this you are not mm. the fixer of this problem you know like you say you are just that bridge in between yeah. until they can get that professional support and it, it may be that they don't even need to get to that professional support they just wanted to 
offload yeah. um, and get something out because, you know, it does the world of good talking. And, yeah. and I don't think I would have had the success in this role if I, if I hadn't ha- had my experiences, if I was coming into this with a pack that somebody said, please present this. But I think people realise that I actually, I feel it. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm so, they can see I'm so passionate about supporting people because I I don't want anybody to feel like I ever felt. Um, so if I can help in any way to do that, then, then I will. It's great to hear that because I think you hit the nail on the head really because people or businesses, definitely in the construction industry, have... Um, just sent managers off to do the mental health first aid and it's not always for them and they're not always the right uh, person for that whereas if you get somebody who is engaged and is and does understand yeah. within the mental health side of things they have the empathy already there so that's half the battle yeah and they they are willing and wanting to know more and find out more and you'll find that you will get a better response and people are more likely to go and talk to them as well yeah. if they're going to show the empathy. It, it, it could be uh, an individual that works within the business and they may have a reputation for being quite fierce. Mm. And if you have to do, well, I think definitely on site, people fall into the tick boxing exercise. You've got to have a mental health first aider. Right, let's send the manager to do it. Well, he's not really the right person to talk to on that. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. We've got to do it for X, Y, and Z yeah. reasons on site. But whereas if you get somebody, right, we've got to have a mental health first aider on site. Why don't we put it out to the team and say, would anybody like to go on this? And yeah. Is this something that you'd be interested in? And you'll find that they will do all the, not hard work, but they they will do all the work yeah. for you out on, whether it is out in branch or whether it is out on site. They, they are more engaging and more willing I'm more wanting to do that that role as well, yeah. rather than being forced upon a manager another another task that they have to do. Yeah, and and that's exactly what we did as a business. So last year we invested um, in 200 mental health first aiders across the group, and people went. You know, they were asked to apply for it, um, and then they went through that selection process whether the right people. Um, and I would have said 99% of our mental health first aiders have either had the experience or had somebody really close yeah. that had the experience. So, you know, like you say, we're already pushing on an open door with them. It's not somebody that's had to do the training because somebody in that branch had to do it. So if nobody puts the hand up, then we're picking. Yeah. Um, and that's not the right thing to do when it comes to this because it, it's very different from physical first aid. I think you've You've got to have that empathy and that level of understanding. So, yeah, we we really took that approach in Travis Perkins and we were like, let's get people to do it who want to do it. Um, And I think that's what's been the winner for us, really. Do you have a plan for the future? Have you got things in the pipeline that are ideas to to work on, to to move forward, to try and raise the awareness? I think um, the plan for next year, really... um, is keep on talking, but our managers is such a good network to reach out to because, um, you know, I've sat in that seat um, and I think it's one of the hardest within our business because we've got all the pressures of what's coming down, but also all the pressures of what's happening in our branch with our colleagues. So it's almost like you're sandwiched between... um, And I really want to give them really tangible tools next year to work with. So, you know, can we use occupational health um, to support... 
how to do a great back to work interview um, and just make them feel really comfortable. You know, I've given the basics on a well-being conversation, but now they're asking me questions like, yeah, but how do I have a well-being conversation? So it's almost as if we've got a role play it just to give yeah. the, the like, right, I get it. I get we're going to have to have these talks now, but give me more. So it, I think it's brilliant that they're asking now. They're like, so what else can I do? I want to feel equipped in this area. So that's definitely the, the plan for, for next year to just give them the, the tools to be able to, you know, they'll be our like firelighters almost because um, there's one of me. Yeah. So let them help us and that's how we're going to change the culture. It's great to hear that you're building a new culture within the within yeah. the business, and it, it's phenomenal to hear that you've been given the freedom to to do it, and you don't have to th- feel, I guess, under pressure. That see, it's hard to um, put put figures against this sort of stuff, isn't it? It yeah. really, really is. I mean, I was going to say to you, have you noticed a difference in morale with people, or is it still early doors, early days? Sorry, I mean, we're going through a tough time. I think as a country at the moment. So you can feel that, you know, the cost of living crisis, um, you know, it's a really scary time. But from a wellbeing point of view, I can remember when I first walked into a branch and it was almost people's arms were folded and it was like, if I don't look her in the eye, she, she might not speak to me, she might not come over. Whereas, you know, today, all right, what are you here for? Um, what, I just want to talk to you. And it's, yeah. I can feel that that's totally changed. Yeah. It's not a scary thing um, to talk about well-being and mental health anymore. It's, it's. I can feel it from that way, but I do feel the tensions of people panicking at the moment. You know, it's it's a scary time, but generally, um, I can feel it shift, and I don't feel nervous walking into a branch to think, "Oh God, well, please, will somebody speak to me today?" I, I feel confident that somebody will have a conversation with me. So it's definitely changed, and that's just in, you know, a year. So what can happen in five? Absolutely, and it's great to hear. <clears throat> Excuse me. Has it helped you personally in the sense of, I got asked this question about the podcast, and for me, doing this is my therapy. Yeah. Doing this, having these conversations, it keeps me on the, the straight and narrow. I can deal with situations better. I can look after myself a lot better. Do you feel like doing this role that you're doing now is helping you like that? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I do have bad days. Um, I do have bad weeks. um, And I can almost feel myself getting into the spiral. But then somebody will give me a call. I'll support that person. And then they'll maybe drop me an email the next day. You know, thank you for... and And I feel... Because, you know, like you say, well-being is so immeasurable. Um, yeah. You know, we can't say, oh, we've helped 22 people. To, yeah. It's it's so immeasurable. So sometimes I think, am I, am I doing enough? Is is it enough? Um, and that makes me question myself. But then, you know, that little snippet of, of something will come through off somebody and I just think that's been worth it. Yeah. It's been worth it just for that. Knowing that I've helped that one person this week, it's just you know, that's immeasurable to me. So, yeah, I, I think it's the most worthwhile job I'll ever have. Yeah, definitely. I, I can definitely feel that. I always say to people when I go and do talks and sites and stuff, I say, I can write a wicked CV for all the big jobs and projects I've been part of, but nothing gives me job satisfaction like this. Yeah. And knowing that you are making a positive impact on people's lives, because that's what it is we're doing. And 
we're making people realize that it is okay to talk about this stuff and you can get yourself out of whatever situation you're in. And um, there's there's people like yourself, Natalie, that are leading the way within the business. And it's phenomenal to see. Thank you. But um, what do you do to look after yourself? Um, So I kind of, um, I went a bit spiritual, I suppose. Um, Not in the God sense, but more the universe um, sense after I had my breakdown. And and when I was speaking to somebody about it, they they actually said, um, you only find things like this when you really need it. Um, So I do kind of, I've got to do really slow stuff and try and clear the mind. So I try to meditate, but I struggle because my mind just ping, ping, ping. I really struggle with that, but I do try. But yoga, walks, um, you know, journaling. Um, I can remember when I had my breakdown, I would drive to work. um, And if I felt in a negative mood, I would say... I'm so grateful, and I used to be in my car, so if God, if somebody overheard me, but I would drive, you know, to work saying, I'm so grateful I get to drive past that lake every morning. I'm so grateful that I live in this beautiful... I almost I have to change yeah. my own narrative in my head. Um, and then I've got a nine-year-old, so he is, like, my absolute... You know, he's my bestie. Um, so we spend a lot of time together, and, you know, when I look at him, I think, God, I could... I would love in like 20 years for him to go into a workplace and come home and say, Mum, did you know there used to be a stigma around mental health and be yeah. able to go, I helped change that. So, yeah, yeah, this so is that's it. the kind of, you know, that's the the kind of crown and glory really for me. When we were up in Edinburgh, did you talk about going to cold water, going in the water? Yes. Um, yeah, I haven't done that lately because it's minus six today. Um, <laughs> it's the best time to but, do it. <laughs> but yeah, um, I sometimes get up early. So I live quite close to um, the beach as well. Um, and I go for an early morning dip just for maybe like a minute, two minutes. But yeah. um, that makes you feel amazing yeah, does, for the yeah. rest of the day. It is brilliant. I mean, for me, when I, when I go and do that, I don't do it religiously like some people do. But it's not, for me, it's like some people say to me, they go in the water and it's like a reset for them. For me, it's like a battle against myself. I'm going to stay in this water for as long as I can. My mind is screaming at me to get out of this water. My body's screaming at me to get out of this water. But I'm calming all that and I'm doing it under my own steam and I will do it when I want to do it. Because I was was up in uh, Scotland again, uh, beginning of November and I went and did it under a waterfall and oh my god yeah. you are brave <laughs> it was cold but you know what it was good mm-hmm. when you get out of it we went uh, I went and sat and recorded another podcast it was the last episode that came out and um, I was buzzing absolutely yeah. buzzing the tingling and, uh, and things like that the other two lads that I was with they do it all the time they were like diving in and all sorts I mm-hmm. was just edging my way in yeah. <laughs> getting just in there slowly getting in <laughs> trying not to fall over because yeah. it, it, it was on like rocks and it just went straight down so I was trying not to go too deep in it but I think it has stuff like that like you're going on about the spiritual side and the holistic side I think more and more people are coming to the realization that there is more to it because people say to me all the time I don't want to go on tablets and if tablets works for you absolutely go for it They, they are what you need to get you where you need to be but a lot of the time, people are saying, like you were doing, your gratitude list, it, it's changing that narrative. Yeah. It's changing those those negative thoughts that are getting you into those dark places where you can replace them with positive thoughts. And it's easy. People might think it's easy for us to, to sit here yeah. and say that now. But 
we both know that you can flip that narrative and you can change that. And even journaling, I think. So I tried journaling and it wasn't for me because I don't like writing things down at the best of times. You know how much of a nightmare I am to reply to an yeah. email to you. It takes yeah. me about three days. I started to... voice note. Yeah, <laughs> voice note is a better <laughs> way to do it because that works for yeah. me because I can yeah. do it. And um, But I think doing the journaling can help a lot of people because they can see the progression. Yeah. Because a lot of people can be overwhelmed by, I'm just stuck in this rut and I can't seem to get out of it. But you can start a journal with saying, I got myself out of bed today. Yeah. And they could look back in two weeks time and go, well, I'm now out walking the dog or I'm out, I'm thinking about going back to work or whatever it is. And, and, you, and you can see your journey. Yeah. And then you get, a, there's one particular person that I spoke to about journaling. They said they have big gaps in it, which is great mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they need yeah. to do it. And then when they do feel like they're slipping a little bit and, and, and going back into their old routines and old habits that they think, oh, I know that this works for yeah. me. And it, it's it's working for people. Yeah, I have tried it, but I'm a bit like yourself. I do love the written word. Um, I love books and things, but I'm one of them people that if I if I say I'm um, if I put like a pressure on myself, like oh I've got to journal every day, I, that puts a negative edge on it yeah. for me. Um, so I totally agree. It's a brilliant thing, and I've suggested for people to do it, but I. I'm one of them people, um, I've just got to do what works. Um, and if I kind of commit to something, that almost, I immediately put a pressure on myself. Um, so it can kind of have a bit of a negative effect with me when I say, right, I'm going to go to the gym every day because then if I don't go to the gym, I think, right, I'm rubbish because I didn't go to the gym. So I've almost got to be kind to myself um, and just do it just do what I need to do at that time. So, you know, the cold, you know, I'm not a daily cold water therapy, mm. but if I think, oh, it'd be brilliant to go and do that this Friday before work, that's great. Rather than saying, let's go every Friday because it's that pressure yeah. thing. If I don't make it, I almost, it's, it's, it goes back to that failure. Yeah. And going back to when I had that breakdown, it, it all links back to that failure. So I've learned, I try not to put any targets or anything on myself. Yeah, that's definitely it. And you know what works for you. Yeah. And that's what's so important. And did it, uh, like with me, it took me a while to realise what worked for me. Is it the same with you? Oh, yeah. I've tried everything, I think. Um, because, you know, I did get to that stage where I thought, right, I'm always going to live with this. I'm always going to live with anxiety. Um, I may go into bouts of depression. I've I've had the medication. I still have anxiety medication um but I thought I need to do that a little bit more um so I've tried numerous things you know the journal and the gratitude list yoga reiki um I've even had like tapping therapy um that that was an amazing experience um I can remember going and because somebody had suggested me do it and about 10 minutes in I was like this isn't working this isn't working um And then all of a sudden, just these memories that were, like, locked. I didn't know I had them. Um, They just came flooding out. Um, There was tears. It was just the most powerful, you know, one of the most powerful experiences. But it was almost as if, you know, because I had quite a bad relationship with my dad, there was memory. And I was thinking, God, I can't believe I remember that. But now I can't think back to it. And it's almost as if that pain's gone out that box it's, it's yeah it's a release it's a bizarre one but um if anybody wanted to try that i would definitely suggest it it's it's amazing experience 
Yeah, a couple of people said that to me because there was um, it was a, a Mike, the guy who did my uh, mental health first aid instructor training with. He does that, mm. and he was going on about. Um, we did a video call, and my dog came up and sat on my lap, and I was stroking. He went, "That is part of it, like that repetitive soothing, mm. like a self soothing of, of calming yourself down." And that's why they have therapy dogs and cats yeah. and things like that. Yeah. And these these are all the things that I don't think people realise that are out there. They just think that. They'll go to the GP and the GP just fobs them off and tries to send them to do something that they don't want to do. And in a previous episode, I had uh, Nikki came on and she spoke about um, therapy and it took her four or five therapists to find the therapist that mm. actually worked for her. And if people have reached out to get a bit of help and support, it's okay to turn around to that, that, that caregiver to say, it's not working for me yeah. and they'll be absolutely fine with that. Yeah. And it, it's it's all about going down different routes and finding what works for you and you might, one week it might work for that and then the next week it may have to change again yeah. and that's absolutely okay. <clears throat> Definitely. Um, you know, and I have had counselling. I was in a similar situation. I had this woman and I thought, I got to that comfortable stage and she was like, you now need to move on. Um and I can remember walking into the room and this guy was there and immediately I was like, don't like him. Yep. Uh, don't like him, this isn't going to work. Or, and then that started my anxiety because I thought, well, that's it. I, I, now I need a... Th- and, you know, um, and he was brilliant. I would go, I would go in with a situation because I can very much over-catastrophise yep. everything. Um, you know, I can somebody can say something and I'm thinking, well, what does that mean, six months down the line? I'm, t- I'm terrible for it. Um so I would go in with a situation, we would talk it through and I would walk out the door going, oh, <laughs> that actually wasn't bad at all. Um, so yeah, I, you know, my counselling and therapy sessions were, were a big part um, of my recovery because they made me realise the why. You know, it's not just, you know, sometimes when you go to the GP, oh yeah, you've got anxiety, you've got depression, it's like the label, Um Whereas the counselling sessions gave me the why and they were the tools, you know, like the CBT and things like that. So I know when I'm getting to that stage, right, come on, let's step back. Um, so I would like to think that I've, I've helped myself to, to hopefully never get to that stage where I have a breakdown or I have a bad, you know, depression bout. I'm, I'm hoping I've got, I've built that self-resilience and I think that's, that's really important to do. Yeah, definitely, because I, I get a lot of grief sometimes of people saying, oh, you're turning everybody into a snowflake. I'm like, I'm not. I'm trying to teach people resilience. Yeah. So when we do have difficult scenarios to deal with, whether it is in branch and your sales aren't where they need to be and you need to push certain things and you know, you've you, you got to have a bit of grit and determination to yeah. work in this industry. There's no two ways about it. Agreed. And you've got to push yourself to the limit sometimes. And I also think we need a little bit of stress in our lives to keep us on the straight and narrow because you can turn into a bit of manana, manana, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah. And it definitely works like mm. that. And putting these uh, boundaries in place and these things that you do for yourself allows you to do that and it allows you to push through and, and grit the, uh, it allows you to push through and, yeah. and, and get through those difficult times when it does get tough. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Natalie, it's been amazing talking to you. Thank you. Thank Thanks you for much. having me. Could I have spoke for 40 minutes already? Really? Yeah. I told you I could talk. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't need to be nervous, no, did you? No, thank you. Thanks very much. No, thank you for coming on. But um, for anybody that works within Travis Perkins, we'll put links on, I'll put some pictures up on, of all the 
information that Natalie has about what they do and what she does within her role. And if you want to get in contact with her about coming and doing a branch visit, I'm sure that's all right. Absolutely. And for anybody that's listened to this episode, uh, drop us a comment in down below about anything that we've spoke about, if it resonated with you. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about it, about all the little holistic stuff that we spoke about and the cold water therapy and CBT and therapist uh, treatments that Natalie spoke about. But other than that, thank you very much. Look after yourselves. I'll speak to you all on the next one. Cheers. Bye.